Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Lulu, and I'll give him a moment to tell you about his impressive business on cross-cultural intelligence for managers. So thank you for joining us, Lulu, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me on the show. So um, I, my name is Lulu, so I am uh, from China originally. I moved to the UK about 22 years ago. Um, so I was working in the university in China, uh, a, the language center actually is part of the university where we were teaching uh, in, uh, Chinese international students. So I was on the management side as a foreign affairs secretary, then worked there for three years where I met my wife uh, who came from uh, England to study. And then we got married, cut a long story short, uh, we moved to Thailand, uh, lived in Thailand for a year, and then came over to England. And then, then I have been working in this uh, international organization um, ever since. Nice. So very well-rounded, which is actually very impressive. <laughs> now, let's see. Regarding mentoring and coaching, now, how can you create a culture where everyone feels valued and respected? But before we even get into that, I guess tell everybody a little bit about what it is you're doing, because I'm saying mentoring and coaching, but give us a little background into what it is exactly that you do. Sure. Um, I am a manager myself, uh, working in this organization, but also have this private practice uh, called uh, liuliucoaching.com. But the focus is on cross-cultural intelligence for managers. Mm -hmm. What I do is basically help managers to... Um, bridge the cultural gaps, and then have a better work relationship, better coordination, and then with a team and the people they work with around the world or from different cultures, mm -hmm. so that they can deliver the best results expected from them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nowadays with people working around the world, that's a big topic lately where, you know, learning the other, you know, backgrounds, the other nationalities, the other customs, it's very important and it's what helps the world evolve, but, you know, not understanding how other people work, you know, it can be a little tricky. So really bridging that gap is a, a pretty important um, aspect of the, the business world, if anything, but in life in general. You're right, because um, nowadays we are under this, um, to some degree, the illusion of we living in a globalized world and we all speak English, using mm -hmm. English as a business language. So people then get this uh, impression that we all speak the same language, per se, but when, when you get into the details of everyday uh, work, you realize actually we don't. There are a lot of uh, differences uh, right. underpinned by cultures that right. need to be resolved. Yeah. yeah, especially from like a business management point of view, you know, different religions, different customs, and it's important that everybody understand and learn to accept it, you know, because people, you know, in New York or in the United States assume everybody should speak English, everybody, it, it doesn't work that way. The world is, you know, evolving and you have to 
you know, really just bridge that gap. So I guess back to the original question. So regarding the mentoring and coaching, how do you create a culture where everyone feels valued and respected? Uh, First of all, we want to understand that the culture here we are trying to address is a different, it's a different aspect. So the culture here, I suppose, is talking about the organizational culture. So it's slightly different from the uh, the culture we're going to talk more about. So in terms of the organizational culture, I suppose it's really, it's about uh, two things. For me, I see that as to create the equality and the equity. So what I mean by equality is that for equality, you give everybody the same. Right. So, but that doesn't allow everybody to thrive or to uh, perform the best they can. So, but equality means you cater for different individuals' needs and the background so that uh, they can understand, they can know how to perform the best way they do. Then you bring out the best in them. So Mm -hmm. that's equality for me. So, yeah, it's about catering to different people's uh, cultural background, cultural needs. Right. And to understand that how people from different country, if it's working internationally, mm-hmm. or if it's working in one location, people from a different uh, background understand what, what what makes them tick, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the um, company that um, hosts these podcasts were actually um, putting a book out on equity and equality for the, this exact same topic because there are people around the world and it's so important and people need to, you know, people say, yeah, yeah, I know about it, but you, you know about it, but it's not the same. You have to understand why it's important. And, you know, you have to keep changing with the times and, you know, having people from around the world and different backgrounds, it brings so much value. You know, you have to, you know, be open to receive it though, you know? So yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Now, how can you motivate, how can you motivate and inspire individuals and teams to reach their full potential and rise to the challenge of navigating through a cross a cross cultural uh, context? Um, I think uh, with different individual, it's about the for me because I have done a lot of uh, training and uh, facilitation. Mm-hmm. They really taught me a good lesson. It's about understand how individual learn. So, like, you have different learning styles. Mm-hmm. Say, uh, uh, they uh, reflect. Some people are more reflective. Some people are audiovisual, like myself. Some likes uh, to be more theoretical. So, but these are all um, a general trait that applies to everybody around the world. And then you have the layer that actually how different culture learns. For example, uh, in China, the culture I grew up from, it's very hi- very hierarchical. So mm-hmm. the teacher just feeding uh, uh, the students all this information knowledge. There's not mm-hmm. much of a um, application or interaction going on. You, you're you're like a tape recorder to some mm-hmm. degree. While in the U.S. in Europe, it's more about um, bring out the individuality. Mm-hmm. So how actually how you teach students to apply uh, practically. Mm-hmm. So when you look at people in your team. You think, hmm, I guess uh, you need to think actually, yeah, w- what is the uh, learning style and background uh, 
the behind this person and how can I cater for um, those person to learn right. whether it's to take put them into courses training or actually practically shadowing somebody on the job right. um, the other thing is about how to uh, accompany your team members along the way that involves giving the uh, giving feedbacks right. again a different culture uh, take feedbacks quite differently Right. Like in the uh, in a group culture or group and hierarchical culture, they really rely heavily on the managers a uh, the feedback mm -hmm. because for them job is quite a big chunk if not all part of their identity. Right. While in an individual uh, culture background or people from more um, Western society. So for them, job is part of a multifaceted identity. Mm -hmm. So, and they are quite happy to go ahead, use their initiative and uh, do things and, uh, to a degree, sometimes like no feedback is good feedback. So you, you really need to understand that, yeah, how you can motivate them, like you said, along the way with using mm -hmm. different uh, approaches mm -hmm. yeah, to give them the affirmation where, and then the way they need it. Right. Yeah, that's actually all good. And people normally wouldn't um, just know that off the top of their head, you know. So now who do you turn to for advice and support when your team needs it? Who do I turn to? I actually um, a wide range of sources. Mm -hmm. So if you have heard about the um, there's one uh, analytical tool for individuals called a strength finder. Okay. So and uh, I have these strengths both called input and learner. That means I like to really source my learning uh, from uh, different uh, places, right. like yourself, like the uh, the podcast, uh, so that I, I triangulate. I don't rely on a singular source because mm -hmm. I always feel if you rely heavily on a singular source, you're bound to have a, a blind spot somewhere. Right. So the, be the best way is to really to to go out to have multiple sources to see actually and then that feeds back to mm -hmm. my reflective thinking and then I come up with some suggestions. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good point. Now regarding collaboration and teamwork, how can you foster a culture of collaboration and teamwork that encourages individuals to work together towards collective success? Um, thinking about that, I think this needs to happen from the beginning. So what I mean by beginning is normally a teamwork uh, start with a, a task. Mm -hmm. So if we say if we want a team to collaborate and to work together, again, a few things we need to know how different cultures uh, respond to say to first start from the task. In a hierarchical culture, um, the task is given when the task is given you have very uh it's very unlikely people will challenge that or question that because for them it's like that's the order that's the task right. while from the individual uh, uh, culture point of view there's more likelihood is that actually they're going to question that because for them they need to know this task need to make logical sense. Right. 
uh, while the uh, relationship people were thinking, mm, I need to know how this task affect the relationships. Right. So right from the beginning, you need to know actually, yeah, when you, a task is given, people would view this differently and how do you balance that, balance mm. it and right. manage that kind of a, then once you get to the, um, again, uh, assign the roles and responsibilities, um, you also need to see when you assign the roles and responsibilities, quite a few things need to consider, like the, um, uh, the age dynamics, um, how, um, for example, if you uh, not to create click, mm-hmm. uh, within the bigger team, what I mean by that is if you put the people from same, um, cultural background into mm-hmm. the same unit, mm-hmm. they can end up having a very, um, one sided thinking. So how to prevent that? So you need to actively say actually to, to have them a mix. Right. Um, the other thing is actually, um, when it comes to coordination, the people from relationship based, they like to approach the coordination to start with relationships. So they want to know. Um, they can work with you. They want to be friends with you. They want mm-hmm. to kind of get to build relationship first. While the logic people, the, the task oriented culture, we can go straight in and say, I want this. I want this mm-hmm. done. And everybody's okay. But then when these two different culture meet together, they're bound to have clash. The mm-hmm. relationship based people, even the other day, uh, we were talking about this at work and said, I don't know you. And then you just drop me this email from code and asking for X, Y, and Z. I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, for the, from the other side, they think this is required by the job. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to do all this chit chat before I get, get to what I need? Right. So uh, this is really, um, important. And I'm, I mentioned about the age and the gender dynamic as well. So, um, we had cases to say uh, we had a team in one of the African countries. That manager is just couldn't manage the team. It turned out that he's slightly younger and also his tribal status mm-hmm. is lower than some of the members in the team he's supposed to manage. Right. Of course, they won't listen to him because they just don't see him as a manager. Right. So, and the, the, the gender dynamic is in many of the countries, it's very hard to promote woman manager or put woman manager in charge, right. uh, because of the, the male dominated countries, the male colleagues just don't listen to them. Right. It doesn't matter how educated, how capable they are. Uh, I run, uh, training, uh, programs. For those directors and managers a lot, uh, in Asia and African country, all those so-called, uh, relationship hot climate countries, you know, mm-hmm. likely hierarchical as well. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to group exercise, and, uh, it just surprises me. Then all of a sudden, all those men is ordering this woman around because, <laughs> yeah, they say, oh, and the most likely to ask them to take notes, treat them as a secretary. Mm-hmm. I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> they are also directors and bosses, managers. Mm-hmm. 
If not, they are they can be higher uh, in position than you are, and then all of a sudden you still treat them as secretary. I said that's not right. Right. So to a degree now, uh, before I start the exercise, I'll say, look, take turns to take notes. Right. And remember, these ladies are as equal as you. They are not in secretary. Don't do that. <laughs> and it's funny when you say even just um, the different, you know, nationalities and whatnot, but the different age groups. Like, you know, I always say you have to evolve with the times and keep up. Like, you know, from my parents' generation, their parents' generation, times have changed. And you see that in the dis different businesses. Um, the older generation are just used to how things were back in the day. And then yeah. you get the younger generation that comes on board and they could be extremely talented people, but they question everything and they want to challenge things. And, you know, that's how the world evolves. Um, but the older generation just sees them as they're nothing but trouble. We don't want them. They're just trouble. But the world evolves. If you keep doing the same thing every day, every day for the rest of your life, nothing changes. You kind of yeah. need that. Yeah, some of them are a pain in the neck with a constant challenge, but, you know, it's just different, um, different generations that, in one space can really be a little <laughs> a little troublesome too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, even people from within the same culture, yeah. a different generation, like you said, the younger generation are more eager to participate. They want mm -hmm. their voice to be heard. Uh, while in the older generation's eyes, they might be thinking, hang on a minute, you're, you're, only, you're only here like five minutes right what do you know <laughs> yeah you don't know okay, anything you, you're too young yeah, you, you, you have to balance that uh, as well uh, mm -hmm. but i think it sometimes can be really um good to mix them together as well right. to, but the thing is to explain the logic to them to say actually look the younger generation can have some very outside out of box ideas yeah. Yeah. And they are quick with technology, and you know, they can actually teach the older uh, people. Yeah, well, sure. well, for the young folks, you can see actually good to have your idea, but they have learned quite a lot, quite a good deal. They could right. be your mentors to help you to build your career. Yeah. So you might think you know it all, but actually they can really, really add the value to your learning journey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I guess what processes and structures can be put in place to ensure that everyone's heard, respected, valued, and that their ideas are taken into consideration? I think that takes really an uh, active um, sort of, uh, sorry, that needs to take proactive action is to, you. I need to model it myself. So I think the, the three things a manager should say and sometimes find the most difficult to say is actually to say i don't know mm -hmm. uh, uh sorry and help right. so when 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 you approach this uh, issue with that kind of attitude then you create a, a system and also a culture when talking about culture so actually people see it's okay yeah. uh, to ask each other for help and uh, everybody's value is valid so mm -hmm. i don't have to i walk into a meeting i don't have to say um just giving orders right i'm one of them i can say this is my suggestion uh, but sometimes it's tricky some people can play that game and say it's, this is my suggestion and ask, ask everybody to to um to give their uh, suggestion at the end still okay i think 
<laughs> still mine is still. But that's not the way to do it. You need to be genuinely actually when you hear a good idea and you take it, you implement it, and then people really see that happening. You、mm-hmm. see, okay, my voice is actually heard. Right. And、uh, yeah, then they will carry on doing that. Yeah, I mean it's important nowadays because everybody wants to be heard. They don't want to be dictated to. They don't want to be told. I mean, it's the old、um, genre of you know that's your job. You do what you're told. That's what you get paid. That's what you get paid for. But、yeah. you want to feel value. You want to be part of a team. You know, it's like you get told from your parents what to do. I don't want to go to, to my job and get told what to do. I want to be part of a team where we all have equal value. We all contribute equally. You know, so、absolutely. getting people、absolutely. to understand that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now, I guess regarding leadership, what leadership skills are needed to bridge cultural gaps within the team and create a culture of inclusive inclusivity and acceptance?、Um, in terms of bridging the cultural gap,、um, I think obviously I'm speaking from my point of view that it's the cross-cultural intelligence is、right. really is needed. I recently wrote an article in the Brains Magazine talking about the one missing. Management tool、mm-hmm. is a cross-cultural intelligence. If you think about our journey along the way of being a manager, you、mm-hmm. probably, myself, definitely been given whole loads of training、mm-hmm. of different subjects: financial management, team management, risk management, you name it. But so far, I haven't actually heard about a cross-cultural intelligence training.、Mm-hmm. And there's a difference here between cross-cultural intelligence and cross-cultural communication,、mm-hmm. because very often when people hear about this, they, they will just say, "Oh, it's just a communication issue."、And、that's not entirely true.、Mm-hmm. I think cross-cultural communication is definitely an important part, but it's a part of the cross-cultural intelligence. What I mean by that is actually has two、uh, levels. One is about how one person, anybody. Understand their own culture、mm-hmm. and their own behavior. Why they do what they do, and what are the cultural reasons、mm-hmm. behind those behaviors?、Right. Uh, and then the second level is about the their willingness and openness to to learn and、uh, see other cultures' perspectives. So this one is two. Uh, comes together, then you have your cultural intelligence because, in a way, you want to、uh, to the phrase is like you put yourself into other people's shoes, right? So that only if you can constantly doing that, and then、mm-hmm. you have the full package.、Right. So you you constantly shifting and listening, and learning, and you can see the full picture, right? Yeah, we were actually. I told you we were、um, doing a book, but one of the things that you know some of us were suggesting is if you're in a company with cross cultures, you know, if certain cultures celebrate certain holidays, maybe certain pastries that they eat, maybe certain foods, you know, put a calendar with everybody's holidays so that you know who's celebrating what, and maybe have them bring in the food that they eat or the pastry that they eat, and having it and share. We're sitting down, we're having lunch. I'm eating your food. This is good. Why do you do that? And sharing stories so that people. Can、yeah. learn, and then those people feel appreciated instead of being on the different one. You know, we're、yeah. sharing our stories,、yeah. and I mean, there's so much people can do. They just have to make the effort. I think、uh, the other point、um, that empowers your team to do better 
is I really benefited from being trained as a coach is to take the coaching approach because it's very tempting every time when your team member asks you to say, how do I do this? Mm. You just do the X, Y, Z. It's very automatic in your mm. thinking because, but that's your idea. So that's one. Another is for some culture, they won't challenge your idea, even they think it's not quite right. Right. So they just go away and do it. So the best way now, I have to really um, uh, actively uh, remind myself whenever, even it's an email or in a conversation, people come to ask me, how do I do this? I'll say, tell me, what's your thinking? Right. And then you add on to a little bit of uh, your tips and hints suggestion, but right. they need to really take a coaching approach. To right. get them thinking. So that is the best way of empowerment and resilient because that means when you, when you teach them to take that kind of approach, mm -hmm. then when you are not around, then they know how to approach things right. because otherwise all they know is just, um, one uh, one mode is like mm -hmm. ask the boss <laughs> but see that's what's good that's what separates you because i just feel like since covid it just seems everybody under the sun became some sort of actual coach but none of them are actually certified none of them are trained coaches they just call themselves a coach and i'd say a lot of them they don't have the skills necessary to actually help you you know they might listen they might have their own take on things but like what you're saying is actually a lot more beneficial and you could tell that that's from somebody who's trained because it's i always say help me to help you so it's kind of like you're you're doing that you're they're asking a question you're letting them know that i'm here for you but you think about it why would you do that and if they give an opinion okay that's a good thought but here's why i would do it different you know but you're teaching them instead of just telling them what to do because that's you know not technically what a coach would do <laughs> yes indeed indeed yeah, now, how do you lead by example and foster a team spirit that is resilient and empowers individuals to do their best work? Um, I actually often think about that. Is that the team, how I see my role, is where when things can fall short or totally fail, is the team leader's role is become a source of dependence. Mm -hmm. I think being a leader for me is I see myself as a conductor of orchestra. What it means is like all these individuals you are leading, they are all capable musicians. Mm -hmm. They all have their different skill sets. So even without a conductor or change a conductor, mm -hmm. they can still perform or worst times worst. As individual without conductor, they can play solo. Mm -hmm. So I think it's to really understand um, your role is conductor, but not uh, somebody who actually have to know it all and do it all. Right. Uh, because the many managers um, do this things like um, when they become management, when they become manager, the, the higher they go the busier they become because it's like the tendency of do it all and have to answer everything. Mm -hmm. But if you take the role of a conductor and you dedicate, you say, yeah, all I 
I want to know if the whole thing is acting in um, in harmony. Mm-hmm. But then they all play their parts. Mm-hmm. So that way, I don't do overtime. I don't do uh, weekends. So yeah, but things just happen because yeah, if you and also there's another issue about how you recruit capable individuals. There might be a subject for another person, uh, for another day, sorry, subject for another day. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, it's all great, great, uh, great points. Now, I guess resolving conflict. Now, how do you effective, effectively resolve conflicts that arise due to cultural misunderstandings? Um, first of all, I think needs to really have the discernment to understand that it is the conflict caused by cultural aspects or by other reasons, say personalities, differences. Um, the other thing is to say actually, when there's a conflict, try to focus on the issue, but not the people. Right. Because it's very tempting um, for both sides to really launch straight into this, or you did this, you did that. Uh, you know, when we were trained at some point to say, try to, ex- you can express how you feel, but never to say uh, you did this, you did that, because that's very subjective. Mm-hmm. So you can let people know what you did made me feel like this, mm-hmm. but it's not the, uh, and uh, also to have the idea how to get the, understand when people are expressing uh, they don't agree mm-hmm. uh, there's a variety of ways people express it mm-hmm. like in, in Japan the most extreme case is they will say we agree so like uh, in the uh, in, in the German culture they will tell you I don't agree mm-hmm. and then in some Mediterranean uh, countries like Italy Spain say well, let's have a drink and talk about it tomorrow <laughs> right um, in England, uh, I always love that phrase. English people would say, this sounds interesting. <laughs> right. So for, for people who are um, from the non-English culture, they think, oh, he or she is interested. But what <laughs> they really mean is actually, this is a total nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's to really understand how people express the dif- uh, disagreement. Of course, then you have the very, um, very expressive <laughs> the people will just tell you very uh, loudly. So, right. yeah. And when it comes to disagreement, you see, for people who grew up in a, a lo- so called low context culture, they are mm-hmm. focused on uh, facts and, and uh, information right. and, uh, and logic. They see the disagreement or debate as a healthy way of um, getting the uh, uh, getting the uh, uh, fact and matters clearer and better. Mm-hmm. So um, it doesn't really, it does, but not to a degree, affect their relationship. They can have a good debate, right. but then they can still be friends. But well, for the high context culture and relationship culture, any, any disagreement is bad disagreement. It's bad for relationship. Right. So they will try to, at the, their best, not to engage in any disagreement. So, yeah, we just have to uh, really navigate this. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean, if you don't agree, that's all great, but you still have a situation that has to get worked on. And what happens if people just okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not happy. It's almost like being in a relationship where someone doesn't want to, you know, speak their opinion, and it just festers, festers, and then all of a sudden it explodes. So yeah, <laughs> the the other thing is actually it's about we tend to have this mental picture that everything has to be resolved uh, in one room openly, mm-hmm. uh, but actually um, you can have. Um, you can play the role of not a mediator, but you can have a private conversation and to understand a different person's perspective in private, because mm-hmm. that way they might feel more comfortable to express it to you. And then mm-hmm. you get a bit of a perspective and then play a bit of go-between role to wow. try to get each other's perspective across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, good points. Now, what strategies can be implemented to ensure that everyone feels safe and respected in the team? Um, I think we touched uh, quite a bit already. That the to feel safe and respected in the team is really to uh, about creating the overall the team culture mm-hmm. uh, that you you demonstrate from yourself. Mm-hmm. Say particularly when you did something wrong. So I say a lot of sorry to people. If I did it wrong, I say sorry. I will send email to say I got it wrong. And uh, thank you for letting me know. So that way uh, people feel safe. People say actually, um, they might not bother you to say sorry, but at least uh, they feel um, it's a safe environment. Yeah, You, you won't go uh, uh, go to kind of go after them if they said something wrong right. or do this um and uh, yeah and uh, culturally i think it's important to to also create this space uh, for people to um understand not everybody will speak openly in a meeting because right. uh, that's and then not everybody uh, that doesn't mean they agree with you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's to create that kind of space and the, and the habit so you have to say actually um, we all express our opinions differently, mm-hmm. and then how we can uh, really truly listen to each other. Right. Yeah, I think that takes a lot of one to one work. In mm-hmm. my opinion, in my mm-hmm. experience, is you really need to ask those who doesn't really like to speak openly in public space right. to get their opinions and then, um, um, yeah, get it across. Another, another thing is about anonymous. Yeah. You can get their opinions, but then you, you don't have to name it. Right. And then, then the, the opinion matters mm-hmm. without a name because otherwise they get nervous. Right. Mm. And I've seen that where companies will have like a suggestion box and you can put your name, you could do whatever, or, and some people would type it out because they don't want you to recognize the handwriting, but you can get your point across. Like you say, yeah. if, you're, don't, if you're shy, you don't want to get in trouble or whatever, you can still get your point across as long as, man- you know, it's good that management will give that opportunity to say, we want to hear from you. We want to know, what do you think? What can we do better? How can we do that? How can we work together? You know, and that's yeah. important. I think uh, particularly nowadays when you have virtual meetings, there are a lot of tools you can do, like the sticky note board, Right. When everybody starts typing, right. you actually don't know who typed it. 
So that's a very <laughs> effective way uh, right. to, 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 to get that kind of uh, yeah, uh, creative ideas across without right. people have to feel one way or another. Right. Now, regarding cultural exchange, what initiatives can be put in place to proactively encourage cultural exchange within the team? Um, you have mentioned about the food idea. I think that's one of the ideas I was going to say as well. To uh, to have the bring and share, right. you have to you have to put uh, put a bit of parameter. If you like so you have to bring your cultural food, not just right. McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you end up everybody bring McDonald's. That's not the point. <laughs> so you you have to bring your cultural food. Right. You have to explain to people why 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 you do this. Right. Um, the other thing you mentioned about the different festivals, mm -hmm. um, it's yeah we can uh, all, all also create a space to mark on the calendar mm -hmm. to celebrate different festivals to observe different national days if you like. Um, we used to have um, these um, flags because our organization divided by region. In one region, in particular, they used to have put out all those uh, flags represent the countries that region cover. Again, very visual, very um, very informative. It creates a lot of curiosity. Right. People want to ask, uh, or yeah, what this flag is. Um, in some organization, um, we haven't done that, but mm -hmm. is um, to actually wear your national clothes to work. Right. There could be a fun way of um, of learning about each other as well. Yeah, I mean, I've been in places where, you know, different um, backgrounds, they, you know, wear different clothes. And, you know, you're always just curious, like, I wonder why, you know, and so wearing it and maybe just explaining why you wear that. And, you know, I'm sure it has some symbolic meaning or some yeah. history to it. And I just love learning about people like I'm, you know, from Manhattan, and, you know, I've done the Chinese New Year down in Chinatown. I just thought this was awesome. You know, I mean, everybody comes yeah. to New York to watch the ball drop at Times Square. I'm like, I don't care about that. I, want, I know about that when I want to learn something new. So, yeah. you know, and giving people that opportunity to learn something, it's, it's kind of cool. And then, you know, I mean, it, that's how the world evolves. Maybe someone else will say, well, I think I want to incorporate a piece of that into my clothing or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed, indeed. When I lived in Thailand, I remember uh, from mon Monday to Thursday, all the government uh, office officials, they wear the uh, Western uniforms with their badges and ranks, everything. Mm -hmm. But every Friday, all the way from government office to supermarket, everybody wear Thai traditional clothes, men and women. So it's quite a nice way to keep a tradition going. Right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Now, speaking of management, regarding changes in management. So two questions. How do you successfully manage and implement changes when working in cross-cultural context? And how do you ensure everyone's on the same page and understands the changes that are taking place? Uh, change management is a very interesting uh, subject because our organization is going through a lot of changes at the moment, all this review and all that. And I observe my own reaction. So again, going back to that, um, for me as a Chinese or who represent the Eastern cultural perspective, right. when change happens, we tend to really accept the reality very quickly. Mm -hmm. We just say, this is a new reality, fine then the, the mind quickly moves on to how do I work with this new reality? 
find the new pathway very quickly. So my mind is just going. So when I read those change proposal, my immediate reaction is like, oh, okay, there's going to be change this way, that way. How am I going to work out? But for a Western logical mind, um, the typical response, the first word is why. <laughs> <laughs> so this including my wife. Sometimes <laughs> when we, in our daily re uh, react, uh, uh, daily interaction, whatever I propose, her, the first question is why. <laughs> so you see, when you understand these differences, then uh, you need to know to allow the people to ask why, well, to also allow those people to not ask him why, because they are already, they who have already moved on. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have to think actually, what's wrong with these people? Don't mm -hmm. they have any questions? Because it's cultural uh, perspective. The thing is about um, also uh, bring balance. We you say how to ensure everybody on the same page right. is to bring the balance Without asking any question, it's not too good either, because there might be fault in the proposal, right. any changes. And then you need to really say, actually, hang on a minute, don't do one too quickly. Yeah. Have a look, see what you think. There might be something uh, you see and other people don't see. Right. And for the people who like to ask why and question everything, anything, you can say, actually, um, what again taking a coaching approach say apart from all this you don't think you like what do you think this any positive side you see then yeah. so help them to move a little bit to the other side um that's the other thing about the uh, cultural perspective is some cultures like the um high context culture where it's steep into tradition and uh, the the whole uh, context they like to see the the big picture where mm -hmm. does this change fit into the big picture right. uh, while for the low context culture uh, people tend to zoom straight in to their department their section and say oh how does it, how is this going to affect my department my team right. and then can or can fail to see the big picture I think there's another perspective really needs to to help both sides to see. Now you want to tell us a little bit more about all that you do? Um, well, at the moment, I'm really passionate about growing uh, my coaching side of the work because I can see that um, many people who are now working in this international global uh, mm -hmm. Uh, context, context, and the mm -hmm. global environment, um, they can really do. It's not about, uh, they need me. Yeah. I think it's about, I can really help them to do better, yeah. to perform better, because working in a different country or moving to different culture to work or assignment can be quite stressful. Right. So without uh, being equipped, um, many people I know of actually end up getting hurt and coming back home and uh, not able to deliver what they did. 
And that has really bad no kind of effect on their own self-worth and self-respect. They end up feeling, oh, I thought I'm a very capable manager. Right. What happened? And then that can really drag them down for quite a long time. Some people can never recover. But not knowing actually it's a different ball game if you're uh, working in a different culture or, or managing different uh, a team with different uh, people right. uh, from uh, various countries. So I think I'm really passionate about really helping them to see, almost like to, to see in advance, to yeah. equip them in advance so that they can walk in there, can do their best. Right. Oh, very good. So how can people get a hold of you? Um, I have a website. Uh, it's com, uh, And also you can reach me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put your connection at the end to just throw it out there. If there were any other ways or anything else that you wanted to add or any other ways people can reach you, but I'll post it on the end also. Thank you. Thank sure. you. So thanks again for being on the show. Again, that was Lulu. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again, everyone. And thank you, Lulu. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.